be yourself, which seems so simple. And yet when you try to be yourself on public, on social media, where it's going to be there forever, it is really hard to actually be yourself because we, it's so much easier to have your facade up that if they don't like it, it's not a big deal. But if they don't like you, ooh, that doesn't feel very good. You're going to know if you are actually being yourself, if you're being real or authentic as people like to say it, you're going to start polarizing your audience. You're going to have people who love you and you're going to have people who hate you. And that's a good thing. If you're walking that line of likability, you aren't being real. So the first time you get someone write a rude comment or they send you a nasty message, you know that you're walking, but you're not walking the line of likability. You are actually being who you are because you have got people not liking you and you've got people who are loving you. So that is one of the best indicators and it hurts to the core when someone really doesn't like who you are and what you're doing, but you're going to develop rhinoceros skin and get really thick skinned so that you can actually move forward through that and stay true to who you are. I'm Janet Ahmed, host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. Welcome to today's episode where we have Dr. Angela Mulroney, a global speaker, best-selling author, and personal branding expert. Angela works with thought leaders to clarify their message and drive sales through various media platforms. Join us as we learn how to effectively brand ourselves and change the world with our expertise. Let's get started. Dr. Angela, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the podcast. My pleasure to be here. We've connected for a while and I just love what you're doing. We got to meet, I believe, a few months ago and being in these masterminds together, there's so much that I've had the opportunity to learn from you. And I was like, hey, we need to bring you on the podcast so we can dig a little bit deeper. Are you yeah, ready for you. this? Yes, let's dig. <laughs> then we've got all our tools in hand. So share with us how you got started. What's where does Dr. Angela come from? Dr. Angela comes from a dream since I was two years old. I wanted to be a dentist 
for some reason, I started liking teeth. I hadn't been to the dentist yet, and that kind of became my career path. At 24, I graduated and was kicked out into the real world of dentistry. And to me, it was like playtime, power tools and blood. It was amazing. <laughs> so for four and a half years, I was an associate at different people's practices, mostly working with children because I was extremely shy. And so it was really easy for me to tell little kids stories. I had these amazing stories about all these different colored sugar bugs. And then I could give the parents, you know, the summary and then off they went. And then I reached a point where I realized, you know, I'm kind of plateaued. So I either need to go to specialty school or I need to change the demographic I'm working with. And when you make those decisions, something has to change. Often the perfect opportunity presents itself. And I ran into an old uh, boss of mine who was working at a 78 year old dentist practice. I was 28. So there was a 50 year generation gap. <laughs> he was ill in the hospital, unfortunately dying of cancer. And I walked into the practice wow. and fell in love. And it wasn't because it was beautiful. It was actually probably the most disgusting, broken down practice I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But there was something about it. I could just see potential in everything. So I hadn't had any plan to actually be a business owner because I was dancing professionally as well while I was a dentist. So I was like, mm -hmm. you know, I got these two things. It's working really well. I'm just going to keep doing those. But this, this practice changed my life. And so I bought it, turned it around, turned it into this high-end, high-tech practice that became a referral base for other dentists for patients who are afraid of the dentist. So you can imagine if you're afraid of the dentist, you're kind of a pain in the butt for a lot of patients. And I loved working with them. So as I got my practice perfectly built, I had an amazing team, I had amazing patients, I had an amazing skill set. Then my hand stopped working properly Ooh. in the middle of a procedure. And unfortunately, that was the last day I got to practice. So my whole world kind of caught fire and burned to the ground. And I ended up not knowing what was going wrong with me for six months. The doctors in Canada don't really talk to each other. So they all had their own theories. But when you are trying to get your disability insurance to kick in, unless you have one answer, they have no interest. So uh, I was on bankruptcy's doorstep by the end of those six months ended up getting down to the Mayo Clinic. And in a couple of days, they told me I had focal dystonia, which when they said that, I looked at my other hand and they said, you can't train your other hand to do dentistry, you'll lose it too. So you need to figure out what you're gonna be when you grow up again. So that was a bit devastating. And I spent the next two and a half years listening to everyone else telling me, you know, you built this amazing brand in dentistry, you have amazing patients, you have an amazing team, keep running it with associates. The problem was I also had an amazing skill set. Mm. I had a whole bunch of specialized skills that most dentists don't have. Even in a lifetime career, they haven't gone and put the extra time in to study those. So I had multiple associates coming in to fill in the little pockets of work and specializations that I had. And it just was a nightmare. So eventually I had to dumb down the brand back to kind of what it was, a very bread and, bre bread and butter type practice, very basic. And by two and a half years, <laughs> the oil prices hit in 2015 and I was in Calgary. So it was super oil based and the economy went and I could see it happening so fast. I bought the practice during the global financial crisis and I was like, this is, this is bad and it's going to take things down very quickly. And I was right. Calgary hasn't really fully recovered from that, but everyone thought it was insane because I half the price of my practice and fire sold it because I figured if I didn't get out now, I wasn't going to get out. Then I had to figure out what I was going to be when I grew up again. So I went back to dancing full-time professionally, built Unleashed Dance Company. And in six months, we became the second largest adult-based Latin company in our city. And during that time, I 
spent all that time on the floor choreographing, creating all these amazing things and just being in my body and out of my head. And it allowed all the pieces of what had happened to start to click, click, click. And I realized I had an amazing opportunity here. I had invested a ton of money in my education beyond dental school, um, from business to acquiring those skills. And so I figured, mm -hmm. you know, with the skills, with the niching that I was able to do with my passion for dentistry and my ability to help people, I'd already coached a few people in dentistry. I figured, you know, the silver lining is I can take all these things that happened to me, good and bad, and help people to have an easier path. So I decided to reach backwards in the industry and pull people forward. Now, while I was trying to get that, that business noticed, I was like, I'm not gonna spend any money on advertising. So I'm just gonna try and do this organic. So I took to LinkedIn because I figured the entrepreneurial dentists are gonna be hanging out there and started sending messages on Thursday and Friday night. I had this spreadsheet that I copy and paste messages and mm -hmm. you'd hear like ping, 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 ping of all these messages being returned. They were Friday, Thursday and Friday night was a really busy night for dentists on LinkedIn. So I started building my following that way, started building content, talking about what I knew about niching and passion in dentistry. And in a year I went from 200 to 12,000 dental industry followers. And then people went, <laughs> How did you do that? Like you came out of nowhere. You were this little dentist in Calgary. Yes, people knew who you were there, but you took mm -hmm. yourself across North America. And so I started getting requests from people inside and outside of my industry to help them with their LinkedIn. And at first I I wasn't sure if what I'd done was a unicorn or if it was replicatable. So I took a few friends who, you know, the expectations were low. I'm like, let me see what I can do with this and <laughs> see if we can blow you up. And I was able to. So Unleashing Influence became an actual company about eight months after I started tinkering with other people's accounts. And that was January, 2020, actually January 17th of 2020. And then mm. two months later, we know the world shut down. And yeah. the employees that I had in that company, they're like, you know, everyone else is getting laid off. If you need to lay us off, no hard feelings. And I yeah. said, buckle in, we're gonna take this to the moon. So my dental coaching company got obliterated because dentists weren't practicing the mm -hmm. dance company we weren't allowed to get together in Canada so that got obliterated but unleashing influence took off by 10 mm -hmm. months into pandemic we were at 14 full-time team members so it was quite fantastic to see how fast it grew but it was also scary how fast it grew yeah it felt like this monster that I was chasing and didn't understand um in January 2021 I decided to move to Nicaragua and once I got here I a few months in I was like what am I doing? Like I came here to change my life. I came here to get a perspective change and I'm sitting in an office staring at my computer a hundred hours a week. Like this is not what I signed up for. So I realized I had created a monster that I didn't love anymore. So I divested, I got rid of the dance company. I got rid of unleashing dentistry's potential. I got rid of the agency part of unleashing influence, which was all the team members that I had mm -hmm. and sold them off and just niche down into exactly what I did in the company, which was the personal branding. So taking people through their pivot, helping them to package themselves, helping them to understand what they needed to do in business, helping them to build the infrastructure of their business and in 90 days, really have yeah. a business in a box. Holy smokes. All right, you're so you're literally burning things down as you go in your <laughs> That's why we, we we call you the or you you're known as the arsonist. Professionals, hands professional, and match to burn away everything in the way of achieving how to change the world. I, I totally love that because there is no growth if you don't cut it down. I mean, as a gardener myself, you gotta shut, you gotta 
take everything out. I mean, the plants won't survive those winter seasons anyways. So you got to replant those seeds. And you were able to do that because you built it on top of the foundation of the learnings that you brought with you. That's something that nobody can take from us, right? The yeah. education, the stuff we learn, how we apply it, that pure knowledge. I love it. Totally love that. You used LinkedIn to grow a monster. And you're like, okay, this is great. I built my personal brand. And because of that personal brand, you're, uh, the other companies connected to you also flourished because you really believed in who you are. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. And I, and I know the answer to this, but I'm still going to ask you, okay. why a personal brand? Like, why is that so essential to anything else at all that we're trying to do? Because the way that we buy has changed significantly. It was changing before the pandemic, but it changed massively during the pandemic mm -hmm. where people went, you know, if we don't have the same social values, not interested in supporting you with my dollars. If we don't have the same religious values, I'm not interested in supporting you with my dollars. And so people are digging in more than ever into who you actually are. Mm. They don't believe the perfect photograph. They don't believe the perfect video. They don't believe the perfect anything that you're trying to put out there. They're going to, their BS barometer is going to go off and yeah. it's going to go, something's not right here because nobody's mm. perfect. So they want to see the human behind the brand. They want to see the human behind the thoughts. So this is where people are really trying to connect with the people that they are going to put their money behind and their effort behind to support and help yeah. them to grow their business. So if you aren't putting yourself out there and you're trying to hide behind that facade of perfection, you're doing yourself a disservice because that is not what consumers are looking for. They're looking for the real relatable person. They want yes. that real broken down boring story or boring journey because that's where they're able to relate like oh my god my life is so boring i'm just doing day in day out day out i'm working on this thing and i just don't know where the end of the light light is and it's it's much more freeing to see successful people share that same boring stuff as well because that's it oh if this person's got all of this going on for him and he's gone through this, I can now relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if you're working in the services industry and you're doing something that people want to be able to do for themselves, your story of perfect success mm -hmm. isn't going to sell you. Mm -mm. It's a story that you understand where they're at because you've been there. You have hit those highs, but you've also hit those rock bottoms yeah. and been able to climb back up. And so you have those tools to help other people to climb. It becomes super important. I totally love that. So let's say I have clients coming all the time asking about, I want to start a podcast or I want to start a YouTube channel, but I only want to talk. I don't want to show my face. I only want to talk about the topic that I want to talk about. What would you say to them? How would like what's the proper way for them to really bring out attention to that specific topic? Okay, so if you're not going to show up on camera, or even if you are going to show up on camera, you have to have dynamic. You have you have to have dynamicism. You have to be captivating. Now, if you're just using your voice and you don't mm -hmm. have the visuals, you are up against a bigger battle than the person who can actually be good on camera. Like you yeah. see me using my hands, you see me using space. I mm -hmm. change my shape so that I'm interesting to watch. 
But if you're using just your voice, you have to be able to do the same thing. You have to change the levels. You have to change the space and volume of what you use. You have to move your voice through different parts of your body to create different echoes. Um, Mm. So if you're going to be faceless and just have an image or you're talking over a PowerPoint, you at least have to be engaging with your voice so that you're interesting to listen to. And what happens often, especially with if someone is deciding to hide behind a PowerPoint, they might be reading. That might be why they're hiding. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're reading because we don't talk like that, right? And then you kind of sound like a robot that has been automated to actually Mm -hmm. create um, the words that are going over top of your PowerPoint, which doesn't do you any good. So you need to practice. If you're going to do it that way, and if you're going to read, you need to practice it and think about how you would say it naturally. What are those pauses? What are those intonations? What are those loud points and the quiet points that are going to draw people in? And uh, it's, it is a, it is an art that you can master, um, but it's a lot more hard just to master the voice without having the actual visual parts to it as well. I love that. One thing that you had shared with us was finding your brand archetype. I think that that was an amazing questionnaire. And I was like, let me go through this because this is very, you know, I want to know who I am based on the way that I answer a few questions. Now, we've all done all sorts of tests and all sorts of questionnaire, finding out your your Enneagram or or your Myers-Briggs or, you know, whatever, whatever have you. But this was very different. This was very simpler, much more it was really interesting. So I came out to be somebody whose my dominant archetype was a sage. I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I still need to go and learn more of, of what does that mean and how what it would take for me to be effective in in how I operate and re- create that relationship with my audience. So what what um, what can you <laughs> tell me about my my own archetype? archetype so with sages your way of trying to create utopia in the world is by bringing knowledge so you're research-based you are looking for the facts you're not looking for outlier stuff that is like maybe it'll work out maybe it won't you're looking for the stuff where if you're going to share this with your audience you want to give them stuff that is tried and true and honest and you're not going to have egg on your face later on when something Mm -hmm. gets disproven so when we think about sage brands let's think about IBM or Bill Gates, right? Mm. They are, they're like that scientist, that mad scientist who's trying to find (laughs) the answers versus someone like Steve Jobs. He's not the mad scientist. He's a creator. He's an artist. Um, Mm. Apple is very artistic. That's why artists are drawn to that brand to use their, their products. And they're still achieving the same kind of thing in the world, right? They're both building computers, they're building technology that is solving the world's problems, but they're coming at it from very different viewpoints. One is trying to be extremely innovative, artistic, perfect in what they're creating. And the other is we want a workforce. We want something that's going to be tried and true and is going to last as long as possible. And it's not going to fail because we pushed the edge and we fell off the edge and whoops, something broke. We see that with Apple all the time. They have Lots of bugs that are always being fixed because they're always pushing, pushing, pushing. Whereas IBM is a little bit more tried and true. They're more reliable um, in that kind of sense, but they're not as innovative. So it depends on what you're looking for. Are you looking for that solid foundation or are you looking for something that's a little bit more fun and moving into the future faster? I really like that. And I'm a huge fan of Apple. And, but it wasn't until 20, I think it was 2005 
is when I switched over. Before that, I was all in all PC guy, building machines for for decades. How can somebody combine the two different archetype into a single person? Like for example, I like the stability, but I also like artistic stuff. So how do I? How would somebody combine those two different types? Yes, and most people are going to have more than one archetype. Like if you and I went through the the 12 dominants and the five sub archetypes in each, yeah. there's probably going to be four or five that we're going to pull out that you're going to be like, Ugh, it's really hard to decide between those. So we're going to use all those. Um, and whenever I do that with clients, I had, I just finished another one this week and he's like, it's like you're inside my head because I wrote his story. <laughs> I wrote his archetypes. I wrote his buyer journey. I wrote his superpowers. And he's like, seriously, you sound like me when you're writing. You sound, you know, this is how I would have thought about mm -hmm. this, is how I would have described myself. And I didn't even tell you any of that in the session. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to pull these things out that I can read in people based on the archetypes. And then I build them out even more deeply once I put their document together. But when we have these different dimensions, we're not going to be all things at the same time, right? Because then it's like multiple personalities are coming out mm -hmm. and you got four different things going on. So you're going to have different situations where you're going to pull out one more strongly. So when you're teaching, you're probably going to be more in the sage position, right? Because you're trying to teach people and bring them up with the knowledge that you have. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you are looking to create a new product, you're going to be more on that creator side, that artistic side where it, you yeah. are leveraging that. So you pull in your strengths in different situations. And that's the nice thing about we are multifaceted mm -hmm. that you can actually look at a situation and you're like, well, maybe if I look at it from this dimension, from this archetype, it's going to make more sense. Oh, in this situation over here, if I look at it from this one, it's going to make more sense. So you have the ability to kind of play with who you are um, once you have those archetype profiles built out and it becomes a playbook. It's really interesting mm -hmm. because when you get stuck in something, you can come back to this playbook and be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I am. This is what I should do. Um, I was at a speaking competition and I got to the final and I have like, I have no idea how I'm going to frame <laughs> this. I kind of know what I need to say, but I I'm, I'm having an issue. So the night before one of my friends, she's like, and you're the arsonist, you'd burn this shit down. So I was like, <laughs> okay, let's, that was what the theme became. It was what if you burned it to the ground mm. and it was perfect. It was totally on, on brand. And once I put on the arsonist, persona mm -hmm. the whole thing just wrote itself in like 20 minutes wow. so it's crazy when you have that ability to go back to your information and you can, you can check back in and be like oh i'm stuck and then you read this and you're like oh yeah no no that's exactly what i should do and then you go and it's instantly everything is cleared out of your way all right well angie thank you so much for that because that answers a lot of questions that had been jumping around in my head for the past couple of weeks because i've been working on my own sites and you know coming up with the copy and i'm like how do i frame this do i copy what everybody else is doing and then add my little thing to it but then the more i listen to you define you know create these archetypes and, and dig into that playbook it tells me oh my god that's exactly who i am i mean in just this past week i've bought three different sets of wi-fi devices in my home I've installed every single one of them, tested them, and I'm like, okay, this is not working. This is great, but it's it's doesn't have an extra piece that I need. So I I'm totally that person that that finds what's working, what's gonna last for a long time, and then how can that help me be in a much better position? 
So I'm almost done cleaning up my own mess <laughs> that I created just the beginning of the week. But it so explains of how I should be marketing myself and how I should be putting content out on that type. A really awesome question that you've actually provided me this, this should help a lot of us because one thing that we all don't want to do is niche down in one small pocket and think that, oh my God, if I niche down in this little one thing, that's all I'm going to be known for. So how does niching down help anybody or is essential for somebody creating personal brand or, you know, even creating topics on, on their thought leadership? It's funny. We addressed that question this morning in my mastermind because one of my clients was like, but I like doing this and I like doing that. And I like doing that. And I'm like, you realize you're throwing spaghetti against the wall. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not focused. You are scared to niche into the thing. And so because you're scared, you're looking for all the shiny objects around you. Why people are scared of niching is often because they feel like they're leaving experience. They're leaving money. They're leaving expertise on the table and you're not your experience, your passion, your expertise, everything that you have experienced in life comes with you. Mm-hmm. What niching does is it, packages you to be understandable to the world and even though you're going to focus on a topic one topic is not one dimensional it's multifaceted and if you can go narrow with your knowledge and go super deep into it Mm -hmm. then you become the expert and because of all those other tools that you have that you want to show the world you are going to come at that topic. There's can be lots of people in the same topic, but your experience of that topic, your expression of it is going to be unique because of how your brain has developed from everything else that you've experienced up till now. So nothing is lost. And if you actually want to be a thought leader, thought leaders aren't generalists. Thought leaders are subject matter experts. And being an expert is not boring. If you start going deep into something, you're going to realize oh my gosh, (laughs) we're never going to get through all this, right? It's so deep. Yeah. And it's amazing when you actually narrow your focus, suddenly you get more excited about the topic if it's the right topic, but you also, your brain is on fire because you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much here. Whereas when you were trying to be everything, like take me, for example, dance Mm -hmm. company, dental coaching company, um, (laughs) social media agency, right? I was, I was working so many hours because I was trying to get that depth, but there's only so many hours and so much brain capacity that you have to actually dig into that stuff that yeah. it was limiting me. And once I narrowed, that was when the clients just started showing up. It was crazy. My perfect clients had been like, Oh, I wish I could really work with this person. They started showing up and not solicited. They just were emailing me and saying, Hey, I need to work on my personal brand. And before people weren't saying I need to work on my personal brand, they'd be like, I hear you kind of do some stuff. Uh, do you think yeah. you can help me? But it's very, very specific to my topic. And the money just increased insanely. Like the amount per month is way more than when I had the full-on agency. And it's just me and my virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy what happens when you narrow that focus. You start to see more of the opportunities in that, but you also have more mastery in it because you have the time to think about it. You have the time to dig in and get more knowledge. And as a sage, you like doing research. (laughs) It's great for you, Denise, because that's going to allow you to be in your bliss. Yeah. Man, I love that so much. An excellent example of a brain surgeon, how much they make versus a generalist, general doctor, right? So the the, the price is going to go because you have more expertise. More people are going to be seeking 
for you. You don't have to worry about advertising at all. Man, I have enjoyed thoroughly, Dr. Angela, <laughs> this conversation. It's almost like all the answers that I was looking for were answered in this past 20 minutes. I love it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, Dr. Angela is going to share with us three hacks that you can take away and apply to your business, to your personal brand, to whatever it is you're doing so that you can be more profitable. I'm Janet Ahmed, host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Hey guys, welcome back. We've been talking with Dr. Angela, the arsonist Lerone. She's amazing. She is a global speaker, best-selling author, and a personal branding expert. Now, personal branding has become a lot more popular, but she's been doing this for a longer, even longer than it actually became hot. So super excited to get the lowdown, the three hacks to, to take away so you can apply it in your business. So Dr. An Dr. Angela, take it away. Sure. So the first one I would suggest is be yourself, which seems so simple. And yet when you try to be yourself on public, on social media, where it's going to be there for it is really hard to actually be yourself because we it's so much easier to have your facade up that if they don't like it, not a big deal. But if they don't like you, ooh, that doesn't feel very good. You're going to know if you are actually being yourself, if you're being real or authentic, as people like to say it, you're going to start polarizing your audience. You're going to have people who love you and you're going to have people who hate you. And that's a good thing. If you're walking that line of likability, you aren't being real. So... The first time you get someone write a rude comment or they send you a nasty message, you know that you're walking, but you're not walking the line of likability. You are actually being who you are because you have got people not liking you and you've got people who are loving you. So that is one of the best indicators. And it hurts to the core when someone really doesn't like who you are and what you're doing, mm -hmm. but you're going to develop rhinoceros skin and get really thick skinned so that you can actually move forward through that and stay true to who you are. Okay, hack number two. <laughs> hack number two is get yourself on LinkedIn. If you are a professional, if you are dealing with professionals, get on LinkedIn. It is one of those platforms that are, it's still super misunderstood. People think it is still a job search platform. 
it is one of the best personal branding platforms you have because you have the flexibility to write articles. You have the flexibility to create long form and short form content. Um, you have the ability to put out polls and really get to know your audience. You can create groups and it's not a noisy platform like Facebook is where people are still putting very personal stuff and they're trying to mix in professional and it's very confusing. So LinkedIn is for the professional trying to go after the professional and build your personal brand. So don't write that one off. If you haven't really dug into what LinkedIn is, let's hop on a call because seriously, there's so much opportunity there and just doing a little bit is so much more than what more, most people are doing. So you're going to be able to pull ahead of the competition. Love it. And then the last thing is get on video. <laughs> people can't get to know you that well. We talked about people hiding with just their voice. At least you're using your voice, but get on video. People can not feel you the same way through mm -hmm. a great photograph or great writing, even if you have, bring lots of personality to your writing or you're just doing audio. When people can see you and they can hear you and they can feel you, when you use your camera properly, you use your space properly, you are dynamic and captivating. Then when someone gets on a phone call with you, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't get, to, I, can't, I can't believe I get to get on a call with you because you're so awesome. I've been following your stuff. I love it. Oh, this is the best thing ever. You're gonna have these fans, the lovers, enthusiastically booking calls with you to access the expertise that you have. And when you can get on video and talk about what you know, that puts you in a different echelon. Someone might be writing for someone who is writing these amazing articles, or they might be writing amazing copy. But if you can get on camera unedited, like not these stop and start edits in the videos and talk about what you know and get through something that leaves people changed with that little piece of information that they're going to go into the world with and try. That is where people really start to see you as that thought leader, as that expert. And at first you're probably going to suck. Mm -hmm. That's okay. <laughs> people like watching you to level up as you go. That's actually an interesting part of the journey, but just by actually putting yourself out there, that puts you again in a different echelon because a lot of people are not going to do it. They're too afraid of this little black hole and the world on the other side that can see them. Man, I love every single one of those hacks. I still got to find my haters because I haven't found those yet. You're just too lovable. <laughs> <laughs> I know my kids don't, uh, you know, my bringing my kids on video definitely keeps those haters at bay. <laughs> There so your armor. Is that what tip number happening? yeah tip number four bring your kids along for the ride you're not gonna have any haters <laughs> or yeah something like that i don't know all right let's do work too yeah exactly kittens kittens and dogs and, and you know animals work as well yeah. hmm there's something to dig into over there but i'm not going to dr andy we've got we've had a really fun conversation i've enjoyed it very thoroughly I was waiting very anxiously when I would get to talk to you. So I'm glad that we were able to make it this happen. I know we kind of rescheduled, but nobody knows. Really awesome to have you here. This is the this is the portion of the podcast where I like to ask some questions to let's dig in a little deeper. All right. Number one, what is the one hobby that you wish you got into? The hobby that I wish I'd gotten into earlier is fighting. I'm now doing it at 42, mm -hmm. but as a kid, my parents told me, you know, that's for boys. So I was allowed to do gymnastics. That was about as aggressive as I was allowed sure. to get. 
but yes, I would have loved to have been a fighter as a kid. I love it. My daughter does that really well already. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> no, this is my world. You guys are just hanging out. Next question. What did you want to be when you were a child? A dentist. Mm. And you did it. And you're I like, did this it. This is awesome. <laughs> Love that. Number three, what is your favorite movie or TV show? G.I. Jane is still one of my favorite movies. Uh, I fell in love with the idea of G.I. Jane when I saw mm -hmm. Demi Moore on David Letterman doing one arm push ups as part of her promo. And I was like, I can figure that out within an hour I was doing one arm push-ups on each arm in my family room <laughs> so that's so I became, cool yeah I became my nickname became G.I. Jane because that was like my party trick to break <laughs> the social ice was to show people I could do one arm push-ups dude that's so I, I I might have to work on that one it's an um, art. <laughs> yes it is an art our next up next up number four what movie would you choose if you, Dr. Angie, got to play in a, a character in it? Dr. Strange, oh. the sage in that, and the magicalness of her. Like, honestly, I watched Dr. Strange and I was on a date and mm -hmm. I was like, this is my story. And the guy's like, I hate this movie. It's terrible. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, how oh are you? Not, like, you know what happened to me. You're, how are you not seeing this? <laughs> We didn't go on another date after that. Of course. But, uh, Come on. You're hating on me already. We haven't even <laughs> met. <laughs> so the sage in it with just her ability to get into the flow of life and affect mm -hmm. things. Yeah, I would love to play her. Oh, man. She was she did really like her acting was on point. I can't remember her name, but I know she's been in, she's been she's in other movies as well. I can't either, so we'll just bail out that together. We'll just bail it. <laughs> Number five, who is your favorite superhero? G.I. Jane. That's the closest thing to admiring a just... superhero as I have ever gotten close to. So, yes. I love it. And the last question, if you were a board game, what would it be? That's a challenging one. I'm Canadian, so sorry would be appropriate, but... <laughs> Probably more Monopoly because I like the the thought that you have to put into it and the little bit of manipulation and playing the yeah. game to actually win. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Where can the superpreneurs listening to this episode find you? LinkedIn is the best place. You can find me as Dr. Angela Mulroney. And if you're interested to work on your personal brand, I have a great community called the Unleashing Influence Community that you can join and you get my content at a faster pace. There's amazing people in there who are trying to build their personal brands. There's probably a few clients in there for you as well. So it is an amazing space to be in. Fantastic. I'll be sure to include the links to your LinkedIn and other places in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Angela. My pleasure. It's a great interview. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hexandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You could find links mentioned in this episode on the hacksandhobbies.com website.